I'm so excited to uh, be in God's Word with you today. Um, it's providential that we're starting a new year on the topic of rest. Some of you may be um, worried about the year ahead. Some of you may be um, worried uh, that you won't be having rest uh, this year. Some of you may be worried that you've been resting too long. And maybe uh, my hope is that this message uh, set us on a good trajectory to think about rest and work in this coming year. Our title for today's message is Enjoy and Enter uh, God's Rest. That we are enjoyed and entering uh, God's rest. So on uh, September the 5th, uh, up on the screen for you is a photo, on Labor Day, uh, uh, I had the amazing idea to initiate a hangout with a couple of my young adult friends. They're not all in this photo. Some of them were chilling on the, the sand, playing games and whatnot. Uh, we settled at playing volleyball at uh, the Milton Sports Center Beach, uh, and we had a great time of food and fellowship and, of course, of volleyball. Uh, we were later then approached by a passerby. Uh, you can hit the next slide. His name is Caleb. He took the photo for us uh, there who wanted to join in on uh, the action. Super nice guy, but only on the surface. Uh, we found out he was a professional volleyball player training in order to polish his skills in light of his university scholarship opportunity that he was going to attain through Guelph uh, University. A part of me... Uh, felt like I shouldn't have remained uh, playing with him. Uh, because whenever he would jump uh, to spike the ball or serve during a volley, you kept seeing glimpses of heaven before the ball missed your head and landed on the sand. A uh, foolish me, I made it my goal that night to at least receive uh, one of his spikes serve and hit it to the other side. And by God's grace, I did. I played harder than I've ever had in my life. Uh, which I ended up doing, but, in, but during the game, uh, in order to try to save the ball, earn our team to not lose a point, I jumped backwards to try and receive the ball, and this happened twice, and as I'm falling down to the ground, I told myself, don't land on your head, you'll get a concussion. So I land on my back instead, and lo and behold, several days later, I'm smiling now in this photo, um, but I suffered a mild uh, a concussion. I can look back and laugh at it now, but thank you guys for your prayers and supports uh, along the way. I say all this to say that regardless of all the physio, prescribed medication, and ways to avoid excess lights and sound, what I ultimately needed and still need is rest. You see, rest is good. Rest is given to us as well as a blessing. The human can go about 11 days without sleep before going insane. Days without or lacking good sleep gives us symptoms ranging from drowsiness to irritability, puffy eyes, a malfunctioning metabolism, mood swings, and stress to more severe symptoms like anxiety, hallucination, illusions, and even hysteria. You see, rest is good. When you exercise or play sports, you know, we'll test you for drugs if you're able to play at maximum proficiency for the whole game. But we all need rest, breaks, timeouts, and even longer periods of time if we sustain injury. When you cook and bake, some recipes call you to let it rest to leave it alone and let the yeast do the rest, let the seasoning sink in, let it cool down before you move on to that next step. Rest is good. When we listen to music, 
like when we worship together, or in genres like poetry and hip hop, which is the best genre, by the way, if there was no rest, there'd be constant noise. Musical rest adds both a sonically pleasing effect and gives the lyrics and, and what is said extra weight, meaning, and impact. Again, rest is good. But as Nora just read in Genesis chapter 2, we see here that God does something interesting. He rested. Does God need to do this? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, up on the screen for you, says this. It says, have you not known... Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Here God does something that's not needed for him to go and do. Why? What does God rest in here mean to the immediate audience, the people of Israel have been freed and released from slavery and oppression. What does God rest in here have to do with us? What about those who do not believe? You see, God's actions reveal God's character and heart for his creation. And some of God's actions also give us some principles for us to model and apply in our lives. We'll see as we walk through this passage and various other scriptures that what God says about rest and why he gives and even then commands it flows from this action here and why it is good for you and I to obey and observe it. My, uh, a big idea for us up on the screen for you in argument is that God gives his rest to enjoy him in all that he gives us. That God gives his rest to enjoy him in all that he gives us. That in light of our mandate to work for God's glory and for his kingdom growth, to bring about human flourishing and then salvation and sanctification in our world, the best use of your rest time is to enjoy God first in all that he gives us. So the question that we can ask uh, looking at this text What I hope to answer is how does God's rest enable us to enjoy God in all that he gives us and persevere in our work? I'll pray and then we get into our first points of the night, of the morning. (laughs) So Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that uh, uh, your word has everything pertaining to life and godliness, that you have even spoken clearly on the matter of rest. I thank you, God, that you have yourself rested and have given us the gift of rest as well. And so I pray for uh, your spirit to work powerfully through me, that you may uh, communicate what it is that you intend uh, for your church to hear, and that uh, all may hear and be um, in greater awe and thankfulness and trust in you. So I pray this on your name. Amen. All right, so our first point of the night up on the screen for you is this, is that God's rest enables us to cease from work to enjoy God's rest. God's rest enables us to cease from work to enjoy God's rest. You may want to buckle up. Um, I have two points to share with you tonight, but point one may feel like the whole sermon for us. So let's get started in chapter two, verse one. It says here, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. There's actually a lot in verse one that can be easy for you and I to miss. The first is that Genesis 2, 1, 
and Genesis 1-1 are like summary statements of what happened between days 1 to 6. As Pastor Ted explained, Genesis 1-1 is like a summary statement of what will follow on days 1 to 6, how the heavens and the earth were created. And now Genesis 2-1 is like a summary result of what happened of, on days 1 to 6, that the heavens and the earth are now finished as it inaugurates day 7. But look at the choice of words here in verse 1. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. We see here some crucial words, thus, finished, and all the hosts. What does this mean? The author is telling us that there is nothing new to add here. With this, everything needed for this world is created. There's no new law of nature or physics, no new kinds of creatures to be created. You can, there's no macroevolution to take place. You can breed different kinds of dogs and cats, but there's still dogs and cats. There's nothing new under the sun now that we are coming into day seven. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses 14 says this. Since I perceive, this is Solomon, that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that the people fear before him. All that you and I can do is discover, explore, cultivate, repurpose, utilize. God's creation is set in stone and finished. I love how to see it be puts it, it says, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. Now look at me in verse two. It says, on the seventh day, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Again, God does something he doesn't need to do. He rests. That word rest uh, means cease. It's where we get the, 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 the word Sabbath, sabbat. Sabbath is to cease or to rest or the day of ceasing or rest. But this word here doesn't mean to communicate like inactivity or sleep. But it means that you've accomplished something, completed it, and can now enjoy what you have made. I, I love to make music and, and, and make rap music, but there's a difference of when after I finish my verse, I inspect the song and, and I see that to make sure that every single syllable is accounted for. The song sounds good, that a mix is ready, that it's set to master and distributed for people to hear and listen to the song. Versus when I get that song back, listening to it in my room, lights off, eyes closed, to imagine everything that the song is communicating to me. Or, or when I'm driving down the streets and listening to my music on deafening volume levels. There's a difference from when you've baked a beautiful red velvet cake. You made sure the icing is, is perfect around the cake. It's layered perfectly and looks gorgeous. But there's a difference when you can then eat it and enjoy the flavors of the cream cheese icing and just savoring your cake. Or if you're a builder, you build that deck, that, that, that shelf or shed or desk or for the kids in this room, Lego. 
there's a difference when you can expect that it's not missing anything, that it's complete, that it's leveled, versus sitting on it, inviting others to enjoy it, playing with it, and resting on it. Besides day two, God inspected everything that he made and said that it was good. He makes man and woman and says, very good, that it was right and it went all according to his plan. But on day seven, God doesn't need to build anymore. He doesn't need to speak creation anymore on this day. He gets to rest and enjoy and look at a a fully functioning and grateful universe doing all that it intended for him to do. His kingdom is established. And look at what he does now in verse three. It says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God has blessed it. He's made this day holy. He's given this day extreme favor by modeling the principle of rest and enjoyment that it's blessed. And at the same time, he's made it separate and different than any of the other days. That God has made this day a day that we are meant to devote ourselves to enjoy him in all that he gives us. It's holy. Matthew Henry says, on this day, God enjoys creation so that we can in turn enjoy God. That could have looked like God walking in a completed garden in the cool of the day, having a good time, seeing his creation have a good time, seeing his now completed and established kingdom flourish. Now, what does this mean for the people who are the first read Genesis 2, 1 to 3, the freed people of Israel who were slaves in Egypt? Here God rests after completing the work of creation, but then in salvation and redemption from freeing his people, he then gives his people his rest. You see, when God rescues the people from from, uh, people of Israel from slavery and oppression, the Egyptians were having their male children killed at the time, were were, were barely given enough to, to do their job and survive, treated harshly. And in the process of God freeing them, they had to even find their own resources to do their job. Egypt didn't care for them, didn't love them, didn't have their best interests in mind. But God does. This is what God actually says to them in Exodus chapter 16 when they're in the wilderness. In verses 29 to 30, Moses says, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, Friday, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Day. Here's one reason why God gives the Sabbath. He's communicating that he is the better master. We are all ruled by something, but God has our best interests at heart, and he loves to give gifts. He even gives them the concept of the weak. He provides for Israel and gives them the gift of rest. The gift of the Sabbath is first a gift. For them to not even leave their tents, that's not a punishment. They're to enjoy God and all that he gives them, safety, security, peace, rest, joy, even with their families. But sometimes you got to also tell your kids to open their gifts. Urge and command people to do what is good and best for them. So for Israel's own safety 
and, 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 and joy, God then commands them to observe the Sabbath within the 10 commandments. This is the second reason why God gives the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and, and, and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them six days, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. Here to get the same gift of rest, but now it's given to them as a command. Why? Because God extends this rest so that the people can now emulate the character of God, not just to themselves, but to even those affiliated with the people of Israel. This is how they're supposed to be a light to the nations as well. And then God gives a third reason why this rest is given to them. In Deuteronomy chapter five, verses 12 to 15, It says, be careful to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or donkey, any of your livestock or the resident alien who lives within your city gates so that your male and female slaves may rest as you did. I think the next slide. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God again wants them to uh, remember. He wants this day to be a day uh, of worship and thankfulness for what God has done for his people and bringing them from slavery to now freedom, remembering him as a covenant-keeping, promise-fulfilling God. But Israel wasn't good at enjoying this gift, even when it was commanded. From the, from the individual trying to gather sticks because they didn't trust God and wanted to be ahead maybe rest and work on their own terms. To the people and nation later making their servants and animals work on the Sabbath, not letting the land rest. To them not remembering that what God has done for them, but instead created their own gods to worship and thus committing the sin of idolatry. To the people even in Jesus' time who added extra oppressive Laws, trying to determine for themselves what is work and what, is, what isn't work, micromanaging and manipulating the people. They even said it was wrong to look in the mirror on Saturday. You see, Israel has this habit of breaking the Sabbath, disobeying God on this day. And this habit of breaking the Sabbath may not have even, may have even started in the garden. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we don't see here that it was evening and it was morning the seventh day. 
Genesis 1, 1, and 2, 1 are summary statements for what follows. Chapters 1, uh, uh, 2, verse, verse 2 to 31 tells of what happens of between days 1 to 6, but Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 to 25 uh, tells us what happens in detail on day 6, specifically in the creation of man and woman. So you can almost read Genesis 2, 3 right into Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. As at the second we see God resting and enjoying creation, all of a sudden, the serpent now jumps in and lies to Adam and Eve. This may explain why the serpent can so casually approach Adam and Eve. That after working on day six, they're now resting on the seventh. This could be why God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This explains why God even calls out to the man. When are we most concerned about our children? When you hear joy and laughter and maybe even crying or silence. Adam and Eve, who should have been enjoying the world and each other upon hearing God, should have come running towards him. But instead, they go into hiding because of their guilt and shame that God's rest is now disturbed to judge man, curse Satan, the earth, and make skins for Adam and Eve. That the first Passover may have even happened during uh, in, in the garden during the fall. But it is safe to assume Adam and Eve fell shortly after being created, but we don't know for sure if it was on this day. But if it was on the day of the Sabbath, here are some impactful truths and patterns that we can take away from Satan, ourselves, and God. The first is that Satan is a snake, both literally and figuratively. To be that deceptive, evil, cunning, to try and usurp and damage God's kingdom the second it's complete and established. The second is that this is a real tragedy for man in the fall, that we just know how to ruin good things. While Adam is still in song and rest, he falls. But the third is that God is so loving and merciful to have not let man wait another day in their sin and shame. There was no automatic Gmail vacation reminder, no do not disturb function set on himself, but immediately address their sin and shame by giving a promise and covering for their sin. Again, it may not have been this day, but Jesus models this heart regardless of what day it is. And in Matthew chapter 12, Verses 11 to 12, Jesus says this. He's questioned by the religious leaders for healing someone on the Sabbath. He says, he replied to them, who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? A person is, is, far, is worth far more than sheep. So it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. In that same chapter, why does Jesus say this? To the same group of people, he says, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would, you would, you would not have condemned the innocence. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, who is the Son of Man, the promised one with all power and authority, can fulfill and clarify the law by doing what is good and holy on the Sabbath. And is also the only one who is able to determine what is good and holy on the Sabbath. And if he wants to, he can even abolish it. 
because he is Lord, ruler, and king over it, regardless of what day Adam and Eve may have sinned, by disobeying God in the garden, by eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you and I as their descendants are people who are born with inherited guilt, desire, and the capability to sin. Sin is to do things we are told by God not to do and not do the things that God has told us to do. The people of Israel and us have more than the Sabbath day to be concerned about. There are nine other commandments, and there's a 100% chance you've broken at least one of them, and that qualifies you to be a lawbreaker. God's, God's word tells us that it is in the breaking of his commandments that we deserve to then die. Defective creation needs to be put away with if it has no purpose for its creator. If you don't believe in Jesus, how have you been coping with this guilt? Some of us know how to uh, flee and hide and vacate from everyone and everything, but we cannot escape uh, the unrest in our souls, wondering if you are good enough. Did I make God happy today? How good, or, how good or bad of a person am I? I just did that thing I promised I wouldn't have done again. But the good news is that Jesus requires mercy and not sacrifice. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. That God's commands are not to be interpreted as a checklist to strive for, but a diagnosis that should lead us to dependency and reliance on God because there's no way we can do this on our own. The Lord of the Sabbath right now offers you and I a spiritual rest. Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 to 30. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is Jesus' burden? What does he require of us? In John 6, he tells us what it is. Just up on the screen for you. This is the work of God that you believe in the one that he has sent. Again, God is a better master than the world, sin, yourself, and Satan. He offers us rest for our souls by living the perfect life that we should have lived and dying the death that we should have died. You and I must first acknowledge our sin agree with God that we are people who have dishonored and sinned against a holy and perfect God. That, that we believe in who Jesus says he is, the one who came to us at Christmas, lived, died, resurrected, and ascended as the only one able to forgive us for our sin and bring us into right relationship with God. Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection finished his work. And after completing it, he sat down and remained seated in heaven. He himself rested. This should encourage us that the price has been paid for. That we, like the people in John 6, don't live spiritually paycheck to paycheck, trying to live transactionally with God. That we can just do whatever it takes to get by. But to actually believe in Jesus, we must also believe that we can't make up uh, for our sin on our own. And then we just simply commit to following and obeying Jesus, not to earn salvation, 
But like being a part of a family or a team, there are expectations in light of what you now are, not what you may become. It's just how we are saved and enter into God's rest. That we can live and obey from a place of acceptance, not from a place of trying to be accepted. So what does this mean for us now? Well, the first that the Sabbath law is fulfilled in Christ. And the people of Israel no longer need to remember their freedom from slavery from the Egyptians, but can now remember, rejoice, and, and worship God and Christ for their freedom from sin. Though the day Sabbath or Saturday has been blessed, Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath extends this blessing of rest to every day as in him we have eternal spiritual rest because our sin is now paid for. Of the early church in, in, in Acts and us to this day, we gather on what's called the Lord's Day, the day that Christ resurrected from the grave, not because it's a, it's a command, but of holy tradition to hear from God's word, to worship, take communion, fellowship, pray, and serve and enjoy one another. So in light of that, I want to challenge you, whether it's Sunday or another day of the week, to devote it to God and apply the principle of resting from your work and then taking part of the good tradition to remember, serve, and enjoy God and all that he gives us. The second application for us is that uh, the principle of rest still remains. There, 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 there's a sin to overwork in, whether it's an escape from your other responsibilities, uh, to replace your need and dependency on God to yourself, or to maintain a certain image of yourself. We aren't made to work endlessly. If you want to be like God, emulate him by resting. Uh, Psalm chapter 127, verses 1 to 2 says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. What good is your work? If it's for your glory and not God's, God wants you to rest. He doesn't prescribe us uh, to not rest. God also loves us so much that he will put us down if he needs to. Uh, Psalm chapter uh, 23, verses 1 to 2 says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still Waters. God may have sent Caleb to me for a reason. He's not afraid to put you and I down and make us rest for our own good. You and I can also enjoy physical rest during the week. When our employers give us things like sick days and, and loo days and vacation and holiday schedules, we even get mental health days now too. The, and the fact that we even have a two-day weekend is mind-blowing. But now studies are coming out about uh, four-day work weeks, and you got people who are, who are happy, maybe because uh, uh, they have more motivation to do their work and have a longer weekend, or they didn't have enough work to, 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 to keep them busy during the week anyways. And then you got people who are also more anxious and stressed because their quotas didn't change to a shorter schedule. 
I think God was onto something when he gave us a six-day work week. But maybe he just didn't intend for us to be a jack-of-all-trades, six Swiss army knife, that there is an alleviated burden when you only need to specialize in a few things. Maybe our culture is just trying to do the most. Maybe we just make too much unnecessary work for ourselves. How many of us break the speed limit in order to vote on time, to do our taxes, to take work with us on vacation? Did COVID reveal how much of a workaholic you or your employer are? Some of us may be suffering from insomnia and other medical conditions that make it hard for us to rest and sleep. Although God may have a purpose uh, that we may not know in this life, continue to trust him and receive help and aid from him uh, through medicine, the church, and your loved ones. He knows what he's doing. On the flip side, COVID may have revealed how lazy you are. You and I aren't made for rest. The Lord of the Sabbath himself tells us that man was not made for the Sabbath. You can even look with me in Verse 15 of chapter 2, when God makes man, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. Work is good. It's a gift. And we are to work now on earth, which is a good thing, and also in heaven. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 says this, no longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. It's talking about a new heavens and new earth, and his servants will worship him. That word worship, some of your Bibles may say serve, that you and I will do the task of worshiping and serving God for an eternity in heaven. Work continues. Some of us know how to finesse our system to not work. But again, work itself is a gift from God. We are simply to temporarily rest. What are your plans when you are freed from work? Will it be an opportunity to enjoy and love God's rest and others or to self-indulge? God's rest is not to be seen as a burden or restraint to our work or a license to be lazy, but actually an opportunity to enjoy him and all that he gives us. The best use of our rest time, again, is to enjoy God and all that he gives us. So how we are enabled to enjoy God's rest and persevere on our, in our work, we first uh, uh, cease working in order to enter God's uh, rest. And our second point is that we continue to work to enter God's rest. We continue to work to enter God's rest. Though we need to weekly practice and enjoy God's rest, there is still work that needs to be done by you and I who trust in Christ. Why? Because though that there is a rest that we have right now, spiritually, there is a physical rest that then awaits us. Uh, the author of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. God, who gave the people of Israel a freedom from slavery through Moses and then rest to them through Joshua by bringing them into the promised land, Jesus then will not only give us spiritual rest now, but a physical rest later. We work now not to earn the rest, but our work is a proof and fruit that we are entering that rest. Working people rest. Rest is given as a gift and it will also be a reward. Revelation 14, 13 speaks of the, at the, that the works will follow them and that they are now to enjoy and be rewarded for their hard work as they enter God's rest. This is the work of sanctification, helping others and ourselves uh, become more like Jesus and the work of expanded and growing God's kingdom, sharing the good news and hope of the gospel. There is still work to be done. And you and I can look at God and be encouraged that this work will then be completed. You see, though, although all three members of the Trinity participate in the works of God, it is God the Father who described the work of creation. And he rests from that work on the Sabbath. He has now drawn people to himself, though. He's still working, working all things for our good to those who love him, answering prayer. God the Son, who described the work of salvation by securing our redemption, rested from his works, and he sat down and remained seated next to the Father. But he continues to work. He intercedes on our behalf, preparing a place for us, leading his church. And God the Holy Spirit, the helper, who wills and works in us for God's good pleasure. When we are then glorified and inhabit new bodies, and are free from the desire and capability to sin, he will then rest. He's not, he's not grieving when we sin anymore. There's still work for us to do right now. And, and all the work that we do that provides for our, our things like our families, ourselves, and that brings about human flourishing is though it's done for the glory of God as Colossians 3 speaks about. And all the, work that we, all the work that we do that brings about salvation and sanctification is done for the growth and spread of God's kingdom. We do both of these works. And whether you work for a Christian organization or not, the Christian is always trying to do both. God is for sure glorified in both, but yet there is an urgency to, for the spread of God's kingdom because we know it is when this work is complete that God's rest is then ushered in Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 says this and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come yet there is a rest there's an urgency and yet there's a rest in the parable of the sower the sower sows the seed but yet goes to sleep we work with and for God, and actually are privileged to play a part in ushering God's rest when this work is then complete. It is when this work is complete that God himself, Jesus, will rise from his seats and bring about his rest, removing those who are not a part of his kingdom, who have been serving the wrong master. 
let's look, take a look to close at what this rest then looks like and what it entails. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, maybe better if we just flip there ourselves. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And then if you can jump down with me to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. We see here that God's rest is going to be a place where we don't even need to build anymore. God himself has built it. Jesus is doing this right now and preparing a place for us. It'll be a place to fully enjoy God and all that he gives us. It'll be a place not built on pain or sweat or tears. No loss can happen here. It'll be a place where ethnicity and nationality is perfectly expressed. And if you notice it, This place of rest will be an eternity without sleep. Hope that doesn't scare some of you guys. Uh, There's there's no snooze buttons in glory. There's no fear to miss out on the action. No exhaustion, no boredom, no burnout. That God's rest will actually be us enjoying God and all that he gives us forever. That we can look forward to this as, as, as we enjoy God's rest now. And we will then strive to enter God's rest later. This is our future. Let's pray to that end together now. So Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Lord, that you have offered us rest. Thank you, God, that you've um, restored our relationship with you. For, Lord, we do not deserve to have rest We do not deserve awakened moments of rest uh, for our sin and the wages that we've earned for our sin. We should be suffering for an eternity. But we thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us in the gospel. You have saved us. You have given us a hope in the future. And I thank you, Lord, that you even made us uh, uh, laborers that, that come alongside you, that are used through you to accomplish your good work in the world. And I thank you, Lord, for those who are um, working jobs that, 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 
you know, uh, we may not think that they're doing a great impact, but they are. You've sanctioned it. You've given it. That we can work for your glory and that we also work for your growth as well. I thank you, Lord, for those who serve and, and who evangelize and who witness and who play a part in the building of the body of Christ. I pray for those who desire to, to uh, play a part of gospel growth in their jobs, that they feel hindered and restricted because of the way our culture is going. I pray, Lord, for boldness. I pray, God, for wisdom, that we be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And I pray, God, that you return shortly, which means, Lord, that we pray that you use us for the spread of your gospel so that all may hear it. And I pray, Lord, for those who are exhausted and burnt out already, and it's day one of the new year, that you may grant them rest. And I pray for us who may need to work, that you may give us strength, that we work powerfully with the strength that you supply, that we choose this day to rely on you to give us the grace to then work. So I pray that this year be a year for our church to be known for its work in our world and in our church, but also be known for its, its rest as well, that we enjoy that we have been saved and granted your rest and look forward to your rest. So I pray all these things in your name. Amen.